Well, how are you guys doing tonight? You guys doing good? See, this is kind of sweet. I like this feel. It's more like... It's a way cooler feel. I like the setup more. Um, well, you guys having a good week so far? I know it's only two days in, but anybody having a great... Like, just this week's off to a good start, and you're like, this is going to be a good week. Anyone got one of those weeks? Off to a good start. It's going to be a good week. All right. I see some smiles and some hands up. Yeah, there we go. And so... Uh, uh, it, it was a great week on more ways than one. Um, this weekend was week one of the NFL season. Amen. So that's a great way to start off a week. Uh, my fantasy football team won, uh, which is another good way to end Monday night. Uh, and the Ducks won. It's just great football year. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. And I'm actually going to come back to that in just a little bit because uh, that's a part of the message for tonight. Um, but if you got your Bibles, uh, open them uh, to John. Uh, we are in the book of John, as we have been for the last nine weeks, and this is now our tenth week. Uh, has it, does it really feel like it's been ten weeks? Uh, we've just done so much in the book of John already, and we, we haven't even finished chapter three. We've been in it for ten weeks, and so uh, having a lot of fun doing this. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is More or Less. That's going to make a lot more sense, more or less, just a... Okay, that's a bad joke. Uh, it's going to make sense soon. Uh, I promise you this. Um, but before we read, uh, I just want to do a little bit of uh, review up to this point. We saw Jesus presented as the eternal God who became man uh, and walked among us in John chapter 1. We saw his first disciples called uh, into the ministry of being a disciple of Jesus. Uh, we've seen him do some miracles at a wedding. Uh, we've seen a few other pretty interesting things that have taken place. Last week, uh, we saw a man by the name of Nicodemus learn what it means to be born again. And uh, so just some really cool things. Uh, but there's a character who we ran into early on uh, in chapter 1 uh, who is back for more in this story. He's a guy by the name of John the Baptist, and he is back on the scene. Um, so that being said, uh, let's just read. Picking up in John chapter 3, verse 22. Y'all there in John chapter 3, verse 22? If you're not there, let me know by saying hold up. Hold up. up. If you do not have a Bible and you would love a Bible, do you you guys want a Bible? We got a Bible back there on the back table. You can just go grab that thing. Uh, someone spilled water on it a few years ago, so it's like a sponge Bible. Oh, it's, it's a sponge it, Bible. Yeah, it's, it's a sponge Bible, not a sponge bob. Uh, just right here by the, uh, right there. It's upside down, so you probably can't see it, but. Oh, yeah. How, okay, that's just, we, now we're off track. We're already off track. We're gonna be off track a lot tonight. I can already tell. Uh, how many, no, 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 not you. He, he just brought up a story. Uh, how many of you guys, your Bible has gone through some adventures before? That Bible got some water spilled on it. My, my normal Bible that I use, uh, I'm not, I don't have here tonight, because uh, a good portion of the New Testament fell out on Sunday morning, uh, so I have to uh, do a little bit of uh, reconstructive work. That Bible had some coffee spilled on it. Um, my dad had a Bible that went on the top of his car. Uh, and then flew down the freeway and exploded, uh, which is very sad because that was his Bible from when he first got saved, and like went like almost 20 years with him, and then it exploded in the wind. Uh, so Bibles can go through a lot. Uh, and with that being said, they uh, John chapter three verse 22, uh, and they say a Bible that is falling apart probably belongs to someone whose life is not. 
Say that again so you can put it as your Facebook post, your Twitter post, even Instagram a picture of a Bible and say this. A Bible that is falling apart probably belongs to someone whose life is not. It means if you get into your Bible, uh, God has some plans and some great things for you. But if you're not reading your Bible and it's got dust all over it, uh, a dirty Bible. Well, dust could also mean you use it a lot. I guess-ish, but not really. But a dirty Bible probably belongs to a life of a dirty person. So uh, let's uh, get our Bibles clean and falling apart. Amen? All right, being our Bible. That's off topic. That means nothing. Here we go, guys. John chapter 3, uh, verse 22. And it says this. We're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter. We're going to finish tonight. That's what it says. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And they remained there. And my page flipped. They remained there, and they baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Anon, which is near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Now before I go any further, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about this tonight, but um, there's a mini-sermon in this sermon that needs to be addressed. Okay, And I wish we had more time to just... Elaborate on this. But uh, you see, Jesus, uh, he and his disciples, they left Jerusalem to go to Judea. Now, for those of you who know anything about Bible um, uh, topography or Bible cartography, Bible maps, uh, you would know that Jerusalem is in Judea. So how can you go from Judea to Judea? What does that mean? Uh, well, it'd be for someone who is out of, for someone who is out of state, uh, if you go out to like Damascus or Boring or Estacada, someone who lives outside of Oregon would say you're in Portland, right? But we know Portland is the main city, but then the outskirts is the country. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's going out to the Estacadas of Jerusalem. Does that make sense? So he's going out to the country uh, to go do some preaching and uh, uh, do some baptizing. Now, John the Baptist is also there, and he's doing some baptizing, hence his name, John the Baptist. Uh, and... Uh, Here's the mini-sermon. Why did John the Baptist go to this area to do some baptizing? Was it because... Okay, I was I was going to give you a bunch of examples. Like, was it because an angel came to him, or a prophet came to him, or he heard a word from the Lord? No, Olivia answered it perfectly. Uh, It's because there was a lot of water there. Okay? Uh, And this is something for us as Christians that I think uh, we need to just hit on. And maybe this is another sermon at another time. Uh, but notice that John does not hear any booming voice from God saying, go this place. Uh, we in Christianity, we often, uh, more than not actually, uh, over-spiritualize and over-hype up decision making. And uh, it's like, uh, well, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. Uh, so God, give me the booming voice, give me the fleece covered in water. I need to like hear this gigantic from you. Uh, and for some decisions, yes, you should. If you're going to get married, uh, yeah, you should probably hear from the Lord. Uh, but if it's where you're going to move, or like, should I get a Whopper, or a double Whopper, or should I go down the street to taco time? Uh, those really aren't decisions you need from the Lord. Uh, the Bible tells us that God has written His will on the tablet of our heart. So since you were created, Jeremiah tells us, that God has given you specific desires. And so, (coughs) using your best judgment, uh, in some cases, uh, is using the judgment that God has already put on the tablet of your heart. 
Now, that does not give you justification to go and just be crazy, uh, because if it doesn't line up with what God has for you, well, then it's probably not from God. But you don't have to just sit down and wait, stay in the same place like, God, I haven't heard from you. God, I haven't heard from you. God, I haven't heard from you. Because sometimes he's already given you the answer. You just got to make the decision. Does that make sense? Okay, that's a totally another sermon that would take actually a lot more time uh, than I just gave it. Um, But there's a reason why John the Baptist went here. And it was because there was much water. And so baptizing uh, would be able to happen more frequently. Um, and so God has decisions and spots for us in our lives that we just need to step out because he's already given us the resources. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some other point later on uh, in life in this group. But let's pick back up because now we're getting to the, uh, the meat of our text. Um, and I want you to remember this phrase before we continue reading. Uh, remember this phrase, so if you have to write it down, write it down, but remember this. Uh, in order to grow up, okay, and as college students and as young adults, uh, we're in the process of growing up. It, I mean, it feels good to grow up at times. Other times it's like, man, I wish I was a kid still. Uh, but we all know we have to grow up, okay? There's no Peter Pans. You can't just stay a lost boy. Uh, it's time like to grow up. And so... Um, in order to grow up, here's the phrase I want you to remember. In order to grow up, you must grow down. In order to grow up, you must grow down. Okay, remember that? Now let's read. So this is what it says. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Verse 25. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about perfect purification. And then they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it had been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. I must increase oh, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's the most important verse. I just butchered it. Verse 31 says this, He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. But he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, we pray right now, tonight, that God, that sword that be your word, uh, God, may it slice and dice us. May it cut, uh, God, to, to the very core of who we are. God, may our hearts be changed. May our minds be changed as a result of your word. God, we thank you that your word uh, encourages us and inspires us. And God, we pray that your word challenges us. God, we just pray that tonight none of these would be my words, but God, you would speak through me. Uh, God, anything that would be of me may it just fall on deaf ears or may I not be able to get it out of my mouth. But God, may your perfect word uh, come through. So God, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys 
love to win? How many of you guys love winning? Okay, let's be honest with ourselves. We love to win. One of my favorite movies of all time uh, is Nacho Libre. Uh, and Nacho Libre has this phrase that I have used and it has become one of the motivational speeches of my life. And he just says, uh, just a few words, and he says, I want to win. And it's like, yeah, I want to win too. Okay, you guys, that was a good Nacho Libre impression, right? It was decent, okay. Well, I want to win. Uh, I love winning. Um, but I think more than winning, I love competition. Uh, and so if you know me, if you've known me for any more than five minutes, uh, you know I love competition. Uh, and I like turning things into competition. Uh, and I told you I'd bring up football again. Uh, I won fantasy football this week. Uh, I beat my brother. Okay, and he's not in the room right now. Uh, so after service, when you see my brother, say, hey, how'd fantasy go for you this week? All right? Because I love to win. It's good. Winning is great. Uh, and so, uh, but here's the thing. In youth sports and, and in some high school sports, ridiculous high schools, uh, they say, uh, well, winning's not everything. How many of you guys have heard that winning's not everything? Oh, my God. Okay. My okay. Well, this, yeah. Normally, it's when you're losing that winning's not everything. Uh, I, tend to, uh, I tend to go to the Vince Lombardi school of thought. Uh, winning isn't everything. Okay? Winning isn't everything. Okay, it isn't. It's the only thing. Vince Lombardi says winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Uh, and I'm in full agreement with that uh, because I love to win. I want to win. Okay? Um, and we, especially in our American culture, we have turned everything into a competition. Uh, we couldn't just, uh, Western society couldn't just stop with democracy and people debating back and forth. They couldn't just stop with sports. Uh, how many of you guys love sports? Okay, sports, competition. Uh, but we love competition so much. Uh, that simple tasks like eating has become a competition. Uh, how many hot dogs can you eat? Oh, let's make it a national tournament. How many hot dogs can you eat? And just uh, just gorge yourselves in an hour with 80 hot dogs. It's not even cool. It's disgusting. They dip buns in water so it gets soggy, so it just slides down your throat. Some of the dudes, they just like, oh, and the hot dog goes down. And it's like, oh, my goodness. The guys, they have to train. I did some research because when I was younger, I was like, that's cool. Eat hot dogs and get paid. Uh, but no, that's not really how it works. Uh, but they did, there's like some training, actually. Did you guys know there's training for competitive eating? Yeah, you like gorge yourself like the week before, and then like three days before you just stop eating, okay? Because you just ate so much food that it stretches your stomach out, and then those three days of not eating, it flushes your system, so now your stomach is gigantic and empty, so you can just fill it with nasty hot dogs. It's disgusting, uh, but people do that. Uh, competition, uh, who's going to finish first, their food and whatnot. Uh, it's even moved from just the food at the dinner table being the competition, that the conversation at the dinner table is also competition. If you've been around any of the guys in this group uh, for more than one dinner, you know that we like to argue and we like to compete, like talk about who would win in a Ultimate wrestling match, a gorilla or a grizzly bear? Uh, like, and that is like intense. I know, but like, here's the thing. We have gotten so, like, competitive that we're not even gonna compete ourselves. We're gonna train animals to compete for us, uh, on our behalf. We are the most competitive thing there is on the planet. Uh, there was a TV show a while back, uh, called Man vs. Wild Animal, uh, where like they put the fastest man up against a zebra and like race him. Uh, that's weird. I think only one person knew it was a race. 
uh, and hint it wasn't the zebra, uh, man is just a very, very competitive uh, person. Uh, we also like to compete uh, in our faith as Christians. Uh, I go to church more Sundays than you do. Uh, oh, my devotional time's an hour. How long's yours? Oh, man, I was praying this morning. When I woke up, Corey, I was praying for you. When we say these things to like, make ourselves sound more spiritual. And so uh, we, we tend to compete in our faith, and we don't even know it. Or sometimes we do know it, and shame on us when we do. Uh, but, Matthew, uh, but Jesus, in the book of Matthew, uh, has some words to say to some people who wanted to compete about their spirituality. There are these guys named the Pharisees, because they're not fair you. See? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so the Pharisees, uh, they were talking about how, oh man, I pray so loud that God can hear me and everyone else can hear me. I pray in the square so everyone can see me. And uh, Jesus says, no, that's not what it's about. Uh, God rewards what's done in the secret place. And so we're not supposed to be over-spiritual. We're not supposed to pray like that so people can hear us and all that stuff. So... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about competition tonight because I like competition. Football season just started, and it's what this whole portion of Scripture is all about. Last week, though, we saw one of these Pharisees who liked to compete. Uh, we saw him ask Jesus, what does it mean to be born again? Uh, and this Pharisee, uh, his name was Nicodemus, and the Bible tells us he came late at night. So here's a little Bible joke for you. Jesus was watching Nick at night. Right, Nicodemus at night. Come on, give me a little bit of credit. I try, I try. I even wrote that one this time. It wasn't on the spot. Um, But Nicodemus was changed. Um, But competition, as is human nature, competition was brewing up uh, again. So Jesus and John the Baptist are baptizing in the same spot. But before I go any further... uh, there's just a little fun nugget for you. This is what it says uh, in verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there they remained, and they baptized. Uh, who's doing the baptizing? Okay, John's going to be doing baptizing, but in this verse, Jesus and his disciples, here's the thing, it was just Jesus' disciples. Jesus was not doing any baptizing. And this is what it says in verse 2 of chapter 4. We'll get there next week. But it says, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but it was his disciples. Now, a little fun fact for you. Why was Jesus not baptizing these folks with water? Okay, no, he was already baptized. Because John said, I baptize with water, but there's one kind of right. baptizing with fire and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he baptizes with the Spirit. And John and other people baptized with water. So Jesus was not yet ready to baptize folks uh, in the Spirit yet. So just a little fun nugget. Um, But here's the thing. Jesus and John the Baptist are baptizing uh, in the same spot. And this is like... uh, This is like uh, uh, churches today. Multiple churches in the same spot. Okay? Uh, And it's okay because there's much water there. So when it comes to churches... uh, I see it so often in the church... uh, (coughs) Sorry... I'm getting over a cold. Um, but churches like to compete, okay? We as humans like to compete, but the church actually likes to compete also. Like, our church is better than their church. Uh, we have better worship than theirs, uh, which actually doesn't theologically make sense because worship is the way we live, not the music we listen to. Uh, but our worship is cooler. We have a cooler announcements guy. Uh, our promotional material, I'll tell you what, there's some cool, uh, some cool announcement guys in churches. I mean, I'm, I'll tell you what. Uh, I know a guy at Hillside who gives announcements every week. He's pretty... Uh, that's me! Okay, no. Uh, I am not one of the cool ones. Um, 
but uh, yeah, good times. John used to make videos. Yeah. We have better announcement videos. The church likes to compete. Uh, and they say, uh, we, uh, we do this better than you. I do this better than you. And uh, it's okay. Uh, I'm glad Jesus and John weren't like this one with another. I can baptize here. You can't. Um, but there's uh, enough. There's enough water uh, for people to baptize all over the place. Now, here's what I really want us uh, to focus on. Um, and this is where we get back into the verse by verse kind of stuff. Uh, verse 25 said this. It said, "And then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification." So John's disciples. And these Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, they start getting into an argument about purification, which is the style of baptism. Okay, uh, well, how do you do this? How do you do this? And the reason why they ask these questions, the Pharisees, is because the Pharisees like to debate. The Pharisees like arguments. They like to make a scene, no matter how they can. But what is really happening here uh, is we have two religious groups, two religious points of views, arguing about a religious fact. Uh, has that ever happened in the church before? Like two different religious ideas uh, that argue with each other? Okay, well, if you've never heard it, uh, you probably haven't been listening or you probably haven't been going to church that long. Um, but uh, I listed a few. Uh, are you a Calvinist or an Arminianist? Are you a cessationist or are you a continuationist? Are you a pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, pan-tribulation, any tribulation? What's the end times? Can't. Here's one that hit home for me. I never knew this one. Uh, but when it comes to baptizing, I have a friend of mine who was uh, a missionary in the Middle East where they had no water. There was no water, but people still wanted to be baptized. So there was an ancient tradition uh, in the culture that when you don't have water, you baptize them with sand, and you just fully immerse them in sand. Wow, cool. Never thought about that. Uh, but to some churches here in America, if you're not baptized in water, you're not baptized, which is a problem. Uh, and so... Baptism can be something, uh, what day we worship on. Uh, there's so many different things, but here's the thing. Uh, Augustine put it best, and I like what Augustine said. He said, uh, in the essentials, which, do you guys know what the essentials are? Like, the infallibility of God's word. God's word is perfect, okay? Uh, Jesus' divinity, Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection. Okay, these are some, like, non-negotiables. Uh, if you want to be a Christian, you got to believe those things. The Trinity, three and one. Um, like, these are things you must believe to be a Christian. But, in all the non-essentials, so this is what Augustine says. He says, in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. So, hey, we might disagree on some things, but let's still hang out. Let's still have fun. It's okay, because salvation doesn't hinge on these things. And then he says, but in all things, let us have charity one with another. So let's be friends, even though we might not see eye to eye on some things. But we as humans, we as Westerners, uh, if you're a male in the room, we as males, uh, we tend to argue technicalities. Uh, and ladies, lest you think you don't, I've been around some ladies that have argued some technicalities as well. So I think we're all uh, subject to this. Uh, but when it comes to people who like to argue technicalities, and, they, and I'm talking like when it comes to like spiritual things, when people want to argue technicalities, uh, we should have little patience with them. Uh, we shouldn't give them the time of day. Titus tells us uh, that we should avoid any foolish disputes about genealogies and, and, and like worthless doctrines. Uh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells Timothy in 1 Timothy that we should avoid people who babble on with so-called knowledge uh, because these people think they're always right. And uh, you should avoid uh, giving them your ear. So verse 26, uh, John's 
disciples, they come uh, to John and they ask him some questions and they give him some statements. And let's just say uh, that John the Baptist's disciples picked up some bad habits from the Pharisees. Because what happened when John was first baptizing? We learned about this like three or four weeks ago. Uh, the Pharisees came and said, who are you? What right do you have to do this? Man, you got your locust eating thing going on, but who gives you the right to baptize here? And they start nailing him with these questions, like trying to cause some dispute. Well, John's disciples kind of picked up this bad habit, and John's disciples, verse 26, John's disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and everybody's going to him. There, here they are. They're, they're spurring some things up, stirring it up and saying, all right, John, what's going on? Uh, Jesus is getting all these people. we got to change our marketing strategy. Uh, he's baptizing better than we are. What's going on? You, you shouldn't have even baptized him because now look at him. He thinks he's got all his power. He can do anything he wants. Uh, and that happens a lot in the church also. We haven't even got to the sermon yet. This is all just the lead up to the sermon. Uh, but but the church, we tend to do that a lot too. It's like, well, this person uh, said that, this person said that, this person said that. So who gets the credit when uh, someone gives their heart to Jesus or when someone gets baptized? Uh, here's the deal. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, that some people, yeah, some people heard from Paul. Other people, they heard from Peter. Some people heard from Apollos. But here's the thing. No matter what, some people got baptized by Jesus. Some people got baptized by John. Here's the deal. It all comes down to God reaps the harvest. And so you might say one thing, and someone else might say something, and someone else might say something, and none of you get the credit. It's all God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because it's, it's, it, it's all to God. So yeah, Stephen did some good work. Tammy did some good work. Taylor did some good work. But none of you guys get to wear the crown for being like, hey, look at what I did. I led this person to Jesus. Because in the end, who's doing the leading? Okay, It's Jesus through us. And, and, and I'm going to come to that uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but Jesus wants us to be meek. Uh, just like he was meek. John the Baptist uh, gives us four ways uh, to be humble. Uh, and so if you're taking notes, this is where the sermon starts. Remember the phrase I told you to remember? What was the phrase? In order to grow up, you must grow down. Here's the thing. A humble servant, write this down, a humble servant must always understand true humility. True humility. And it is almost 8 o'clock, and I've got four points and then we're going to be done, and we're going to go fellowship. So we're going to finish up early tonight, but I think these, I say that, but it probably isn't actually going to happen. Uh, but i got four points. These are four points that I want you guys to memorize uh, and apply them to your life, okay? Uh, so when John is approached by his disciples, they say, yo, Jesus is getting all the credit, and uh, you're not getting any credit. You used to be the hero. Let's change up the way you do things. Man, like the camel skin, that worked. Uh, the big beard and like the eating the locust thing, that was really cool, uh, but it's not trendy anymore, John the Baptist. You need to change up your style. Look at Jesus. He's got that fancy goatee and he's wearing that sweet cloth robe. Uh, that's what's in now, so you've got to change the way you do it. Uh, and John very easily could have responded like the norm would be to respond. Oh, man, that sucks. I've got to change up the way I do things. Blah, 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 blah. But John, since John first off is an example for us, uh, and he's also a great leader, uh, and he's also a great follower of Jesus, okay? 
but this is what true leadership does. Okay, True leadership knows what it means to be humble and truly understands true humility. How does John respond to these guys? Well, verse 27, he says this, And John answered and said to them, Man can receive nothing unless it has been given from heaven. So why can't we brag about who we lead to Jesus? Here's the reason why. Because we didn't get any of those tools in and of ourselves. We got those from heaven. So we don't get any of the credit. Heaven gets the credit. And who's in heaven? Who's the king of heaven? God, yeah. So he gets the credit. Uh, But here's the deal. John says, uh, hey, it's not me. It's from heaven. And so the first point uh, is a Jesus follower should have a humble theology. Should have a humble theology. Theology. Point number one is a Jesus follower should have a humble theology. Each and every single one of us, we have to have a humble theology. Uh, what is theology? Okay, that is your understanding and your studying of who God is and what faith in Jesus is all about. Okay? So you must have a humble theology. Now, here's the humble theology that we get from John, and I think we should apply each and every single one of us in our lives. Here's the humble theology. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. What does that mean? Well, he's giving from heaven different things to each and every single one of us. God is sovereign. So he chooses what Corey gets, and he chooses what Taylor gets. And he gives it freely to you. Some things he's going to give Corey, he's going to give Taylor less of. But some things he gives Taylor more of, Corey's going to get less of. God is sovereign in his choosing when it comes to these things. So... When God gives, uh, and we are blessed, we have no place uh, to brag, because you can't brag on something that was freely given to you. Okay, So let's just say it's your fifth birthday party, uh, and you're having it at Chuck E. Cheese, because that's where every five-year-old wants to go, and you get the coolest present for your birthday. You can't like go to your friend and be like, I got the coolest present, look what I got, mine is so much better than yours, I deserve this, this is mine, and it is who I am. No, because... It wasn't yours until someone freely gave it to you. So you can't brag about it because it's not something that is birthed from you. It was given to you freely. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Uh, So as Christians, uh, as Jesus followers who are to understand what it means to be a humble person who understands true humility, every Jesus follower should have a humble theology. And a humble theology is this. God is sovereign. But here's the thing. It doesn't just... Stop with a humble theology. A humble theology is great, but he continues on his dialogue by saying this in verse 28. He says, You yourselves bear witness to me that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. (coughs) Here's the next point. A Jesus follower should have a humble understanding. So we should first have a humble understanding. Theology. And second, we should have a humble understanding. understanding. What is a humble understanding? Uh, what do we see John uh, say in his humble understanding? Uh, I think summed up greatest. He says, I'm not the Christ, but I came before him. He understands his role. Okay? So a humble understanding that each and every single one of us should have and should take. Uh, first, our humble theology is that God is sovereign, but our humble understanding coming next is we got to know what our calling is. A humble understanding is me knowing my calling. You knowing your calling. I know my calling. And that is what a humble understanding is. Because in order to be a leader, 
And in order to be a follower of Jesus, we got to understand what our individual calling is. Yeah, we have a general call as believers and as the church, that's to go and make disciples. Uh, but what role will you play in being the disciple maker? Okay, If you were in church on Sunday morning, you heard Pastor Dave talk about uh, how we all are servants in the church and we all have different ways of serving. Some of us are fingers, others of us are eyes, some of us are noses, some of us are toes. We're all different members of the body, but the body can't function if it doesn't have all its members. It needs its members to function healthily. Okay, And so we all play a different role. So Corey's calling is going to be different than my calling, which my calling is going to be different than Sam's calling. And Sam's calling is going to be different uh, than any of your callings. Okay? We all have different callings. And here's what a Jesus follower and a humble leader does, is a humble leader understands what his calling is. Does that make sense? Okay, so point one. Point one. A Jesus follower should have a... Say it one more time like you mean it. Very good. Secondly... A Jesus follower should have a humble understanding. Very good. Very good. So our humble theology is what? God is sovereign. sovereign, And our humble understanding is what? Understanding our calling. Yeah, know what our calling is. Here's the third thing. And John the Baptist breaks this down for us in chapter uh, 3, verse 29. And he says this. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Here's the deal. Every Jesus follower should have not only a humble theology, not only a humble understanding, but should undubitably have a humble attitude. Okay? In order to be a true follower of Jesus, in order to be uh, someone who truly is following Jesus and doing what it means to follow Jesus, uh, must have a humble attitude. How many of you guys uh, know anything about attitude? Okay, uh, I used to coach football, and we talked a lot about attitude, uh, because there's good attitudes, bad attitudes, uh, there's competitive attitudes, there's so many different kind of attitudes. Uh, But as Christians and followers of Christ, we must have a humble attitude. What is the humble attitude that John the Baptist had that each and every single one of us can pull from? Well, he said, here's the deal. I know my calling. I'm not the bridegroom because I don't have the bride. But I am a friend of the bridegroom. So when I hear his voice, I rejoice and take joy in that fulfillment. The humble attitude that each and every single one of us as Jesus followers should have is joyful participation. Okay, joyful participation. What does joyful participation mean? It means, put plain and simple, I'm going along for the ride. And I'm going to have fun. One of my favorite roller coasters uh, in all of roller coaster dumb uh, is, is a wooden roller coaster. Okay, How many of you guys have ever been on a wooden roller coaster before? The coolest roller coasters ever. I don't care if you can go 70, 80 miles an hour on a metal roller coaster and do corkscrews and loops and flips and all that fun stuff. Nothing beats... The sheer excitement of, is this turn going to hold me as I go around this corner and watch the wood sway and hear the bolts creak? Like, that is so much more intense than going upside down. And that, like, rickety, like, and maybe because I like history, those were the first roller coasters. But wooden roller coasters are the craziest thing ever. Okay? There's some really fun ones that I've been on. Um, there's a really small one that's kind of fun. 
It only takes a few minutes. Uh, up in uh, Washington at Wild Ways. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Six Flags the Summer Kingdom uh, in San Francisco. They got a really, really cool one. Uh, Disneyland, eh, all right. It's not very good. Uh, Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Farm has a gigantic one. And it is stinking crazy. I love it. Uh, but my all-time favorite one. Happens to be at Six Flags Magic Mountain. I know what you're talking about. And it's Colossus. It is the <laughs> coolest, the coolest roller coaster of all time. Uh, it like tick, 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 like huge drop, and it's wooden, and when you get down to the bottom, you're like, this thing's gonna break. Uh, sad story about Colossus. Uh, it fell down this week. Uh, and there was no one in it, praise the Lord. It was closed for renovation, but it caught fire and fell down. So my favorite roller coaster is gone. But the reason why I'm talking about roller coasters is, if I was with Corey, and Corey and I were sitting in the very, let's say the back, because the back gets all like the torque and everything from it on the drops. So Corey and I are sitting on the back. We chose to sit in the roller coaster, right? Okay. But when they put that lockdown on us, we don't have a choice of getting out. Uh, so we can either have a really bad time, or we can have a joyful participation. Woo! Right? Okay? Um, here's the deal. When you signed up, you probably didn't sign up, but when you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, I want to follow you, I'm going to live my life for you, here's the deal. You signed up for that roller coaster, click, you're locked in, and here's the deal. You're going to have fun. So sit along for the ride. Enjoy it. Have joyful participation. Okay? So maybe, maybe Stephen and I, we're going downtown and we're, and we're, and we're witnessing the folks. Okay? We're just telling people on the streets about Jesus. Okay? And so like, say I think I'm doing a good job telling this person about Jesus. And, uh, and I'm like, man, this person is going like, to be cool. I'm going to give them a number. They're going to start talking to me about Jesus. Well, after the whole situation, then they're like, yo, Stephen, can I get your number? I want to talk to you more about Jesus. Here's the thing. The natural human reaction is like, I did the work. What's going on? That person should be talking to me. But the humble attitude that is based off of a humble theology and a humble understanding is, hey, it's joyful participation. we got to do it together. And Jesus reaps the harvest. So, hey, I'm along for the ride. It's fun. And that's so counter to how we as humans uh, tend to act. We want the glory uh, but that goes completely against what it means to have a humble attitude. Uh, and so as Jesus followers, we must have a humble attitude. And our humble attitude is this, joyful participation. So we're going to do this all over. We're going to go back from the start, work our way to the end. Uh, first and foremost, a Jesus follower should have a humble theology. And our humble theology is? Very good. Secondly, a Jesus follower should have a humble understanding. And our understanding is what? Knowing our calling. Very good. And once we know our calling, every Jesus follower should have a humble understanding. And what is the attitude of a Christian? Very good. Parcipitation? I don't think that's a word. I heard someone say parcipitation. I think you meant precipitation, and that's joyful water, which, hey, baptism. Woohoo! Okay. I don't even know how we got there. John doesn't finish with just his humble theology, uh, his humble understanding, and his humble attitude, but he goes on to say some things in verse 30. This is what he says in verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
John understood something about being a follower of Jesus. He understood something about being a humble leader and about being a humble servant. He understood uh, true humility. Not only did he have a humble theology, a humble understanding, uh, and a humble attitude, but I think most importantly uh, is having a humble relationship. Okay, uh, What is a humble relationship? I think a humble relationship uh, summed up best uh, is more of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. Can't say it enough times. More of him, less of me. Because, man, we try so hard, and that's all we do. We try, 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 but we can never succeed. Okay, There's a reason why Jesus had to come and die on the cross. Because we try, 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 and we cannot succeed. Uh, but it's because of Him, the more of Him, that we can have success in Him. Um, we can struggle all we want, uh, but it will never accomplish anything. Uh, but it's with Jesus that all things can be accomplished. Uh, with man, some things are possible, but with Jesus, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. So here's the deal. You can have a humble theology. Yeah, God's sovereign. You can have a humble understanding. Yeah, I think I know my calling. You can even have a humble attitude. Yeah, I want to be joyful in this. This is going to be great. But if you don't have a humble relationship, and it's about you, yeah, you can understand that God is sovereign. You can know your calling. You can be joyful in it. But if it's all about you, you're not going to get any fruit. There's going to be no fruit as a result. You can be the happiest, most joyful person doing what God has called you to do, understanding that He is the one who called you. It's just working back through our attitude, understanding, and theology. You can do that, but if it's not all about Jesus, if it's not more of Him, less of me, it's all for nothing. Jesus says uh, that seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then He will give us all the rest. We need to put Jesus first. And so John exemplifies uh, here in verse 30 what it truly means to be uh, a Jesus follower um, and, and a servant and a leader. Uh, a good leader knows how to take the background. Uh, you don't have to be in the forefront. Take the background. Take the background. Take the background. Uh, he must increase and I must decrease. Um, so let's go back through this real quick. Uh, a humble servant should always understand what true humility is. And so John breaks it down with four very simple things that we can remember. The reason why we're going over this over and over again is not because I like sounding like a broken record and saying things. It's because I want us to understand these things. I want us to remember these things. And I want us to be able to apply them to our lives. So a Jesus follower should have a humble... And our humble theology should be that God is sovereign. And once we realize that God is sovereign, then every Jesus follower should have a humble understanding. And our humble understanding is that we know our calling. And once we know what our calling is, then we have the opportunity to be a Jesus follower who has a humble attitude. And the greatest attitude you can have as a servant, as a leader, and as a Christian is joyful participation. When you add all those things together your humble theology, your humble understanding, and your humble attitude, you come to the realization that every Christian should have a humble relationship that is more of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. That's what it's all about. And if it's not about that, uh, well, then we have some serious uh, correcting in our lives that we got to do. Um, 
if the number one uh, preoccupation of our life uh, is not to make Jesus famous, uh, there should be some questions being raised about are we following Jesus with everything we have. Uh, Making Jesus famous should be the number one preoccupation uh, of our lives. Uh, I like famous people. Um, Sometimes I wish I was a famous person. Uh, but here's the thing, uh, famous people, you know everything about them, right? Uh, I mean, if I were to go around the room and I were to ask you uh, what Jennifer Aniston ate last week, uh, you'd probably be able to know. I mean, maybe some of you wouldn't, but, but here's the thing, uh, People Magazine, uh, you name a mag. I don't know magazines, but here's the thing, how many of us could tell you the last like three people that Justin Bieber's dated? I mean, like we know everything about people who are famous. Uh, here's the thing: when it comes to famous people, like here's some of the stories that we see in uh, People magazine or any of those magazines. Uh, Jennifer Lopez went to the beach. All right, what else? Oh no, that's it. She went to the beach. Uh, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, they have some kids. Oh yeah, tell us about the kids. Oh no, I just wanted to let you know they have kids. Okay. They got married. I mean, some crazy things. People who are famous, people who are celebrities, uh, we tend to know everything about them. Uh, why? I think it's just because Americans we love knowing things about people, uh, which is crazy, I guess. But um, here's the thing: if we want to make Jesus famous, we should take people back in his approach. Okay, that's kind of weird. Here's the thing. To make Jesus famous, we should let everyone know every little thing that Jesus does. Right? So if Jesus goes down the street and gets a pizza, we should let people know Jesus got a pizza. Okay, Jesus didn't get pizza. Uh, but Jesus did some really cool things. Like, he went and he turned water into wine. Okay, we should tell people about that. Uh, he did some other things like made a blind man see. I think that's pretty cool. Most things we should tell people about that. Yeah, he, he, he did some really cool things, like he broke bread and drank some wine at the Last Supper and said some really important things. Yeah, I think we should just tell some people about that. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. We should probably tell people about that. He rose again. We should probably tell people about that. If we are not making Jesus famous in everything we do, then we should have some serious questions about where our priorities are. If we're not making Jesus famous, do we have a humble do we have a humble theology? Do we have a humble understanding? Do we have a humble attitude? Do we have a humble relationship? Because if we're not making Jesus famous, then something's out of whack. And something's out of whack. It takes the littlest thing. But the littlest thing can warp our whole understanding of things. And now Jesus isn't the center. Uh, but Jesus is supposed to be the center. He goes on to say this, John the Baptist. Um, and I'm going to close with this. And then I'm going to have John come back up and we're going to do a little bit more worship. Um, But this is what he says in verse 35. He says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We learned last week in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the very next verse says, He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world may be saved. saved. And this is what he says here. This is now John. Not John the author, and not Jesus saying this. This is a follower of Jesus, John the Baptist, saying this. He says... He who believes in the Son will have everlasting life. So here's the thing. Maybe you've heard it all before. Maybe you haven't. But believe in the Son and get everlasting life. 
Okay? That's what it's all about. We've got to believe in Jesus. And then we receive everlasting life. And when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus starts to change some things up in our heart where our theology used to be, yeah, you know what, God punishes people uh, who He doesn't like. Yeah, He's cool, but He's not in charge. Uh, our theology gets changed from that to, yeah, God is sovereign. Our understanding is like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Woohoo. Run around, do this, do that. But then when we find Jesus, boom, we start realizing, okay, Jesus has a call for my life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I have a purpose because when I was in my mother's womb, he formed and fashioned me. And so now I understand that I have a calling and it is now my duty to search out what that calling is and what my giftings are. And now say, thanks to having Jesus in my life, I can understand that. Jesus changes our attitude. Our attitudes used to be, man, you know what? Life sucks. Uh, or get as much out of life as I can before it starts to suck. Uh, but Jesus changes our attitude and says, hey, come along for the ride. It's not always going to be fun. There's going to be bumpy times. There's going to be times where it goes down very fast. There's going to be times where it feels like it's taking forever to get to the top. But man, be times where those turns, those twists, it's not fun, but I guarantee you this. If you go along for the entire thing, you're going to enjoy the participation. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus, he brings us on that roller coaster of life, and he changes our attitude to life. Uh, and because of what Jesus has done for us, he changes up our relationship, where it used to be me, 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 me. What can I do to thrust myself to the front? What can I do to thrust myself to the front? How can I become exalted? Well, Jesus said this. He said, uh, those who seek to be exalted, uh, that's who Jesus humbles. Okay, And those who uh, are humble, Jesus will exalt. Okay, And so hey, here's the deal. If you're me, 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 Jesus needs to do some work on your life. And sometimes he does it like this. How many of you guys have ever been just leaning back in a chair before? Okay, Leaning back in a chair. Uh, that's kind of like what your life is before Jesus. You're leaning back, you're having a good time. Like, I'm on top of the world. Well, Jesus does this. This is how Jesus humbles us. Okay? And it's not a good situation when Jesus humbles us. Yeah, it's good in the long run, uh, but it's, it's a sucky situation when we allow ourselves to get there. It's like leaning back in the chair. Jesus walks up and kicks the leg out from underneath us. The chair drops weak in our head. Okay, that's no fun. Okay, but here's the deal. When you're just chilling in your chair like a normal person and having fun, like, all right, Jesus, I'm humble. I don't want to exalt myself. Guess what? He says, stand up and come hang out with me. See? Those who think they're all that, he humbles them. But those who are humble and say, hey, you know what? It's all because of him. He says, hey, come do great things with me. So, Jesus warps our attitude. And um, lastly, uh, when it comes to our relationship, he, he, uh, when we make it about him, he says, hey, uh, come unto me uh, and I will come unto you. He says, seek me first and I will give you all all, all. Uh, does that mean come to Jesus if you want to get money? Uh, no. Does that mean come to Jesus if you want a fancy house or a fancy car? Uh, no. I mean, maybe he'll give you those things. That's cool. Uh, but that's not what he's talking about when he's saying like all the riches. He's saying, come to me and I will give you eternity. I will give you endless riches in my presence. I will give you endless blessing. And so that's what it's all about, guys. It's all about Jesus. So tonight, I know it's a shorter message, but I think it's a solid message for us. Um, as, as followers of Christ, we need to have these four things operating in us. A humble theology, a humble understanding, a humble attitude, and a humble relationship. And when we realize that God is sovereign, when we understand and know what our calling is, and when we can do our calling uh, with joy, and when we make it all about more of him, less of me, more of him, less of me, 
guys, the doors uh, open wide. The, the opportunities are endless. And like I said earlier, with those endless opportunities and those open doors, hey, you hop into the roller coaster. And so you're along for the ride. So be joyful, rejoice in it, because God's got some really cool things for you. So each and every single one of you guys in this room, uh, from the youngest to the oldest, girls to the guys, no matter what, God's got a plan for you. Uh, and, and God wants to see that plan come to fruition, which is a fancy way of saying God wants to see it completed. God wants to see you be all that you can be. God wants you to live life and life to the fullest. Uh, God wants you to experience all the greatness that he has for you. Uh, and in order to do that, you just got to put him first. You got to put him first. And when we put him first, uh, it's, it's endless, timeless, you name an adjective. Uh, it's just great. So with that being said, I'm going to invite John. John, if you can come back up. Um, <coughs> we're going to close in a, in, in a song. Uh, but I'm just going to uh, invite you guys to close your eyes, uh, to bow your heads and close your eyes. You don't have to stand up or anything like that. Um, but we're just going to pray uh, tonight. I'm going to ask you a few simple questions. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. It's between you, God, and me. Um, but, but but first and foremost, we're hearing this tonight. Uh, and you hear what John the Baptist says in verse 36. He said, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. If you're someone who's hearing that for the first time, or maybe you've heard it a million times before, uh, and you haven't responded, and you say, You know what, tonight I want that to be the night that I know that I will have everlasting life. The night that I know... Um, I'm not going to have the wrath of God abide on me. I want to believe in the Son. If that's you tonight, um, and, and, and you say, I want to believe in the Son with every eye uh, closed and every head bowed, if that's you tonight, and you say, I want to believe in Jesus because I want to have everlasting life, if that's you, just let me know uh, by raising your hand. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put those down. Awesome. Praise God. Uh, praise God. Amen. Um, if you're someone uh, who said, you know what, uh, I put my faith in Jesus, that's awesome, um, but my theology is a little bit out of whack. Uh, I get frustrated with God, I'm mad at God, I, I, I don't really trust God as much as I should, uh, but I want to have a humble theology, and I want to just know uh, that I know that God is sovereign, uh, and you want to experience God's sovereignty. Uh, as he changes your theology and he, he, he makes you a humble person. If that's you and you want your theology to be changed to the God of Sovereign, uh, just let me know by raising your hand. Awesome. I see those hands. I see those hands. Praise God. Uh, <coughs> maybe maybe you got your theology or, or maybe you don't, uh, but you also don't have an understanding. And, and, and you want to have a humble understanding. Maybe you know what you're called to and, and you're living for it, praise God. Maybe you're searching for your calling and you want to know what your calling is. Or maybe you didn't know you were called, but you just want to know, all right, I'm called. Uh, and, and God, give me the tools to find out what my calling is. If, if that's you and tonight you want to just have a clear understanding of what God has called you to, uh, if you can just let me know by raising your hand and we're going to pray for you. Awesome, awesome. Hands going up all over the place. Uh, maybe tonight uh, you you know what you're called to, uh, but your attitude's a little bit out of whack. Uh, maybe you're like, man, God, why'd you call me to this? I want to go to Nineveh. They're just a bunch of evil people. Uh, and you're not joyful. You're not rejoicing. You're not excited. Uh, but you, you understand, hey, what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that I have joyful participation. 
uh, and you want to experience the joy of following Christ, you want to experience uh, just just the joy of knowing your calling, uh, if that's you tonight and you just want a little bit more joy uh, along this ride that we call life, uh, if you want more joy, just let me know by raising your hand and we can pray for you. Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Uh, and lastly, uh, if you're someone who who maybe you've heard it all before, you've been to church your entire life, uh, you've got a pretty good grasp on things, uh, but when it comes down to this last point, your relationship uh, isn't where it should be with God. Uh, you've made it more about yourself, uh, more what you can get out of it, uh, more what people think about you, uh, rather than making it all about Him. Uh, if you're someone tonight who, who says, you know, uh, I've been the one who's been in the increase in Jesus has been back, and he's just been kind of filling up that last few percent of my life. Uh, but you want to make that same statement that John made. Uh, he must increase, uh, and I must decrease. If that's you tonight, and you want to decrease and make more room for God, uh, let me know by raising your hand. Amen. Amen. And uh, let's pray, guys. Uh, God's Word tells us that if we confess our sins one to another, uh, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Uh, God, that uh, if, if if anyone calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. So to God, uh, uh, tonight for the one who said, uh, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Uh, God, your word tells us that we just need to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God, as a group and as an act of faith and as a statement of faith, uh, God, we just declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So guys, let's just say that together. Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ is Lord. Uh, God, we declare that you are Lord. And as... Uh, we declare that you are Lord God. We accept uh, your grace uh, in our lives. We accept your mercy in our lives, God. We accept the blood that you have shed for us, uh, God, and we thank you for your salvation. Uh, God, for those who said, God, they want their theology to be uh, straightened out, uh, God, they want to understand your sovereignty, uh, God, and, and, and in your sovereignty, uh, they want to have that humble theology. God, I pray right now, uh, God, that that you would just change even the way they think. God, times where they have felt bitter and have felt angry. Uh, uh, God, may you, uh, God, may you change uh, their viewpoint and realize that uh, you are sovereign, uh, God, and that you have our best interests in mind. Uh, God, and you want to see us rejoice. Uh, so, God, we thank you for for for, for changing our mindsets in these things. God, uh, making us a new creation, giving us uh, your thoughts. Uh, so God, we thank you for that. God, for the one, uh, uh, for God, for those who said, uh, I want an understanding of what my call is. I want to have a humble understanding, and I want to know my call. Uh, God, I pray right now for each and every single one of those people, God, that, that you would make your call clear to them. Uh, God, for those who just need to realize uh, that there's water. There's an abundance of water, so baptizing is great. God, I pray that they would see the signs you've already given them, God, and they would run in the calling that you've put on their hearts, God. For those who are still searching and they don't know what their calling is, uh, God, maybe they're called to ministry, but they didn't—they don't know what area of ministry, uh, what what operation of ministry to be in. God, I pray that you'd make it crystal clear to them. God, give people words of wisdom to speak into their lives, God, and, and to give uh, divine revelation, God, uh, uh, of what your call is for them. God, I pray, uh, God, for those who have the prophetic gift, God, that they would speak prophetically into these people's lives, God, that they would hear prophetically, uh, God, what they are to do. God, I pray, uh, your word tells us that in the last days, God, the young people will dream dreams, God. I pray that you would give dreams in this room, God. That you would give dreams to people, God. And it would be so vividly clear in their dreams, God, what you have called them to. God, that they would know unashamedly that this is what I'm called to, God. And they would understand their call. So, God, we pray even tonight for dreams. 
God, we pray that tonight dreams would be birthed in the hearts and the lives of these young people, God. For those who feel called to missions, God, but don't know where they feel called to, uh, God, I pray that you make it crystal clear, uh, God, where you are calling them so that, God, the, 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 the glow that this world can be transformed as a result of the call that you've placed on people's lives in here, God. God, for those who, God, are looking for an attitude adjustment, uh, God, who, who say it's... Uh, uh, sometimes it's rough and I don't like it. Uh, and, and God, I don't... I mean, I, my attitude sucks. Uh, God, I just pray uh, that God, you would replace... Uh, God, replace that anguish, replace that, uh, that just bad attitude, God, with, with your joy. Uh, God, the joy that comes from your spirit. God, in each and every single one of us. God, we would experience what it means to have true joy. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. God, and, uh, and, and we pray that we would experience your joy so that as believers, as followers of Christ, uh, God, that we would have a humble attitude uh, and a joyful participation uh, in this ride that is called life, God. On all the twists and turns, the ups and the downs, uh, the sideways of, of this life, God, that we would have joy in our participation. <coughs> God, and lastly, for those who, God, their relationship with you, uh, God, is strained. God is, is out of whack. Uh, the balance is, is in the wrong direction. Uh, God, we repent first and foremost. God, we repent for the areas and the times and the ways. God, we've made it about us. God, because we know it's not about us. God, we know that you humble those who are exalted. But God, those uh, who are humble, God, you exalt. And God, we want to be humble. We want to be humble. So God, may there be more of you and less of us. May we decrease so that you may increase. And so God, I just pray that in the increase of your presence, the increase of your spirit in our lives, God, that it would overflow. God, and you would be made great. God, that your name would be proclaimed unashamedly. And so God, just as an as a act of faith, a statement of faith, God, we declare in this room, God, more of you, less of me. Guys, let's just say that together. More of you, less of me. More of you and less of me. God, that is the cry of our hearts. We want more of you. God, we want to be close to you. We want to be in your presence. God, may we decrease so that you may increase. God, we thank and we praise you. God, seal this word up in our heart. God, bind it to our heart. God, uh, and, and may we truly understand what it means to follow Jesus with humility. Uh, God, so that when competition comes... So then the world tries to come and twist us and be like this, that, or the other. Uh, we can say, more of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, let's stand as we sing this song. Love like no one.